All right, so in this session, what we want to talk about is let's move from some of the general ministry ideas to let's talk about some of these specific issues about local church leadership. So marriage, divorce, remarriage, and local church leadership. We, we hit on this some with Dr. Kostenberg with Andreas as we looked at uh, Timothy and Titus. Let's talk about some of the really practical ramifications here. And so let me, let me just, this is a real question that came up too. If a pastor gets divorced, is his ministry over? Let me, let me just throw that. Is his ministry over? There. I would say probably not. Is his ministry as a pastor over? Possibly. Uh, I think, again, it's going to depend upon the circumstances of the divorce. Uh, now, I need to say, John, I've, I've changed my view on this over the years. I used to be very strict and that if there was a divorce in a man's life mm -hmm. at any point in time, then I did not think he was qualified to be a pastor. I then shifted to the pre-conversion position so that if his divorce was prior to his conversion and that he had demonstrated over a long period of time. Now, that's not negotiable for me. Right. There has to right. be a track record. That's still record. part of that above Absolutely. reproach. Absolutely. Above right. reproach and gives evidence of being a one-woman kind of man mm -hmm. and gives evidence of being someone that manages his own household mm -hmm. well. Those are across the board regardless. I now have reached the point where if there is a divorce as a result of desertion by an unbeliever with no possibility of reconciliation or there was sexual immorality, this person is now either single and has demonstrated moral purity for a significant period of time or they are remarried but again have demonstrated significantly mm -hmm. uh, that they have been faithful to their mate and their family, then I would be open to such a person pastoring. Certainly it's not ideal, mm. but that's an easy call. That's we right. all know that's that right. the ideal is no divorce, sure. no sexual immorality, that's right. great yeah. family, that's we know right. that. But again, this is a messy world in which we live. Mm -hmm. So the overarching criteria is above reproach. They have a track record of being a man of integrity, a faithful husband, a faithful father, then I don't know how I could rule that out based upon what I find in Scripture. Now, that's my position today. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly right. And, and uh, the Bible doesn't seem in the pastorals to paint this one issue as somehow usurping everything else. No, we've done that. Uh, that that's exactly right. We've, we put that into place probably because of cultural reasons mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I, I think some of this does, though, have to take into account that, that every divorce... Um, involves not only one person walking away from the covenant, but the other person being, being burned, being scarred, being hurt by that. And uh, sometimes, not all, all the time, but sometimes having contributed to that. And I think what happens sometimes with, with pastors who are in that situation is their contribution to the divorce, even if their spouse walked away, might be a contribution that's unseen for them. And to go to Dr. Aiken's point of a considerable amount of time, uh, I, I think people who are involved in that man's life, watching and observing, um, can be helpful to that person to say, now, maybe, maybe you didn't force the person out. So we don't want to put blame. The blame is on the one who left. Mm -hmm. But are there things that we want to get resolved right. before you're back into that situation again? Maybe, maybe there were some issues of neglect, mm -hmm. which is not a cause for divorce. It's not biblically justified because there was neglect. But maybe there was some neglect that, that contributed to mm -hmm. your spouse, your, your wife looking for someone else. There are also some very difficult situations that, that are even, even more complicated than this that we're beginning to see more and more. And that is where women 
um, are leaving their husbands and wives of pastors are leaving because of same-sex attraction. This is increasingly in our culture becoming uh, popular. And I, I think a lot of the, the literature that sometimes uh, women, and in this instance, at least some pastor's wives, have found themselves reading and connecting to, have opened up this possibility of same-sex attraction. And if you tie that with strains and the difficulties and the messiness of ministry, for some of them, it's an escape. It's a way out. And I think we need to take that into consideration as well, that there are some, there are some highly complicated issues mm -hmm. related to the ministry itself mm -hmm. that may contribute to a wife's abandonment of her husband. And we need the church to come alongside this man and to, and to help him to see maybe some blind spots in his own life, also to find some healing in all of that. So I would agree that um, there's, a, there's a good likelihood this, person won't, this man won't be back in ministry again, uh, at least not in the, in the same capacity that he was in in terms of pastoring a church for some time. Mm -hmm. But it's not because he is divorced. Right. It's because, because of, of the, the situation, the circumstances, right. that, that there needs to be some healing and some blessing and also some, maybe some work in his own life that he hadn't noticed before, the church hadn't noticed before. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think as much as anything, it's not a, like a hard and fast, well, if you get divorced, you're out. It is that if there's a divorce, there are things going on here that are different mm -hmm. and, and are more complicated than mm -hmm. just, you know, you, you, um, you know, did something you weren't supposed to have done. These are very, very complicated issues in the lives of men and women. And I, for that reason, I think there's a, there's a real sense in which divorce calls into question whether that person is going to have a long-term ministry uh, or not yeah yeah and it and it's a and, and sometimes it's there's so many tragic ramifications mm -hmm. of this to where um I, I actually have a friend in ministry and we could all tell these stories of uh, uh they have five kids mm -hmm. uh, all teenager younger and his wife left him mm -hmm. and he was is, is in full-time ministry and, and just the healing and, and the idea of trying to maintain ministry and that healing, but you also have these kids that you don't want to necessarily jerk up and transfer, right. you know, that, I mean, what do you got to do, leave town now? Right. And now my kids' friends, I mean, it's just such a messy scenario. And, and John, it's hard enough to do ministry with a spouse, yeah. much less with kids and not a spouse. Right. And yeah. so, that, you know, I think, that, I think that has a lot to do with it. The, the remarriage part comes into this where uh, when, as Dr. Aiken said, that time has passed where some healing's taken place, there is truly an abandonment, um, that, that reconciliation is impossible, maybe uh, she's married someone else or refuses or she's an unbeliever, and remarriage happens, um, it, there, there, I think, begins this process where uh, a family is being established and created here that may very well lead back into, into ministry. Mm -hmm. But I love the way that Dr. Aiken puts this. There, there is time for uh, observing and watching mm -hmm. and healing and mm -hmm. growing and maturing, not just for the man, but now for, for him and any spouse yeah. that, he, that he might have. And John, let me say this. Mm -hmm. If the pastor is the guilty party. Right, uh, thank you. That's right. My bar goes much higher, sure. much quicker. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So if a pastor is guilty of adultery, divorces his wife, marries the church secretary, mm -hmm. say, well, I'm, you know, I'm married. Yeah, right. uh, very different ball game. That's very right. different. That's right. I, I can, it'd be very, very, very difficult for me to con conceive of a context where I would be supportive right. of this person being a pastor. Sure. And, I, and I would even suggest with that, if there's, a, if there's a place to draw a line in the sand that still shows grace and truth, 
it would be that line in the yeah. sand. If, yeah. if, if you were already involved in ministry and this is what you did, you left your spouse um, either for someone else or you just left them, that would be, that would, would be the line in the okay. sand, I think. Let, let me create a continuum here because these are some questions. I'm kind of pulling several questions together. You're, you're, you're the leader of a church, whatever that means. <laughs> and here's a continuum. Let's figure out where some lines are. So uh, can, can and not everybody's going to be in a plurality. So you, you could have pastor, staff, deacon models. Right. You can have plurality models, et cetera. So uh, can you be a pastor? Can you be an elder? Can you be a staff member? Can you be a small group leader or Sunday school teacher? Can you be a leader in the mm -hmm. student ministry? Can you be a leader in the men's ministry? Or Can women's you be ministry? a missionary? Can you be a missionary? Right. So, so where are these lines as far as what we would interpret, maybe out of Timothy and Titus, as well as just you know from the rest of Scripture? Where, where are the lines? What are the rules? You know, I'm a young pastor. I got, I've got all these people. Mm -hmm. I've got nominations going on all right. around me, and I, you know, what do I do? Well, it does seem to me that the bar is high, and if you want, I hate to do it this way, but it does start sliding. In other words, it seems to me that based upon 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, there is a high bar set for the pastor, the elder, the overseer. It is there, and it should be acknowledged, and it should be honored. I would not hold the same bar for my pastor mm -hmm. or an elder in my church mm -hmm. that I would for a small group leader. Mm -hmm. I, I would That's not. Right. Or, or for that matter, someone that is serving as a usher or serving mm -hmm. in some other capacity, I, I don't think the requirement is the same. So I'm not going to say, for example, I know some churches said we'll not have anybody teach the Bible on any level that <laughs> there's a divorce in their or their spouse background. Well, I don't know how you defend that biblically. Right. Okay. That's right. And there's, again, always our mm -hmm. rule of, of authority. What does the Bible say? Now, granted, the Bible's silent on that, but since the Bible doesn't prohibit it or address it mm -hmm. directly, like it does address the pastor being a one-woman right. kind of man, then I'm not going to have the same expectations there that I would for the leader, mm -hmm. the shepherd, the under-shepherd mm -hmm. of the church. Okay. I, I agree. I think that what, what we're trying to do in the church is, to, with regard to marriage at least, we're trying to present a model of marriage. We're trying to hold high a standard of marriage. We want to encourage people who are married to have holy and healthy marriages. And there are a lot of ways that we do that and a lot of ways in which we teach about that. But one of the best ways we do that is to model it. So what we're trying to do is to have the whole church embrace and experience and model this, this form of, uh, of marriage, a healthy, godly Christian marriage. It's not always going to happen. And some of the messiness that happens in, in the real world, the real lives of people in our, in our churches um, ought not to be, and certainly the Bible never does, but ought not to be uh, a source of, of, of guilt and discouragement for them in terms of ministry especially if someone has abandoned them. Because then what happens, and, and I, I think in so many ways, this is part of Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 7, that if you're abandoned by a spouse and then the church piles on, um, I, I think that that exhibits such a lack of grace and truth that it, it undermines any positive teaching we might have about marriage. Yes. Um, marriage is, is two-way. If one is gone, and we still hold this person to the same requirements as they had when they were in that marriage, then we're, we're creating um, a covenant where there is no covenant. And we're making ourselves the authority in their lives as opposed to Scripture and what God has said it 
has said about marriage. So I think that the, the bar does begin to slide, not because marriage is less important for the usher or because a godly and healthy marriage is less important for the usher, but because in the life of the church, because everyone is dealing with these issues, they're watching how people respond to failings, whether it's their own or other people's, and the, the leaders, the shepherds, uh, the pastors or the elders or whomever, uh, or, the, or the deacons in the church are the ones who are, who are modeling that. Those who are, are ushering, who are teaching, who are involved in other things in the church, they're the ones who are practicing that. And so that's the reason why Paul says, I expect leaders, pastors to be one woman men. He doesn't mean that if you're not a pastor, you can run around with exactly. as many women as you want. Exactly. Right? Every man is supposed to be a one woman man. Right. These guys have to do it to hold that position. Right. And those are the, that's the only place where he says to hold this position, you have to do these things. Right. But he doesn't say you can be a drunk and be something else, or you can run around with women and do something else. But when it comes to divorce and remarriage, because there's a standard we want to reach and a model we want to portray, it's, it's at the position of leadership that that's being modeled and portrayed. Here it's being practiced and experienced, I yeah, think. That's good. So let's just flesh that out for a couple of minutes. We just have a couple of minutes here. So... Uh, in this session. So let's just talk a little bit. As a leader, how, how am I preaching and teaching this in the church? How, how am I making sure that these lessons are being taught and learned? I often use a two-fold model. Uh, back when I do marriage conferences, when I get to this issue, I will say, will you give me permission to be both prophet and pastor? Hmm. As prophet, I want to speak very direct truth to what the Bible says about marriage. And I hit it pretty hard. And I even talk, it's clear God does not approve of divorce. He doesn't want it to happen. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we live in a broken, fallen world. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, none of us can undo our past. Would the God that we could all That's go right. back That's and right. change some right. things in our past, but we can't. All we can do is deal with where we are today and moving forward. And so then at that point, I begin to talk, all right, how can we be redemptive at this point moving forward in our current relationship but if there are things that need to be mm -hmm. made right, if you have wounded a spouse, you have wounded your children, you have wounded a former church, and you've never made those things right, then I believe you have the obligation to go back, make those things right insofar as you can, right. and then you move forward from there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just want to say, well, yeah, I'm sorry I messed up, I'm moving on, mm -hmm. and you've got spouses that are devastated, children that all messed up, sure. a church that got just eviscerated. Well, I'm sorry, but the right thing for you to do is to, to the best of your ability, make those things right as well. So I try to speak both prophetically and pastorally when I address this issue. Yeah, mm. that, is, that is so wise. You know, Paul, he writes to these churches, he says things to them like, I want to encourage your hearts. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when it comes to the issue of divorce, it's been so easy for us historically when divorce was something that you didn't see a lot of in the church. Uh, my, my family, I, very few people yes. in the generation before mine were divorced. And right. I've, got, I've got aunts and uncles and great aunts and great uncles. Nobody in their family in their generation saw divorce. Sure. It was easy to just from the pulpit pound, right. this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Um, Paul, he doesn't treat it that way. He comes because he, he's in a different context. Well, he's seeing time. where divorce is all over the place and and, and that's where I think we have to be. I think we've got to do precisely what Dr. Aiken said. We've got to say, this is the standard for a blessing that right. God, God has given us marriage for a blessing, not a curse. It's not a burden for us. It's a blessing. 
And when that's broken, there are people who are wounded. And I, I would suggest to pastors that before you teach and preach on this, if where you end up is going to leave a wounded person more wounded, then you need to not say that. Right. You need to say it in a way that takes the wounded and helps to heal their wounds that doesn't contribute to their wounds. That's yeah, good. that's good. All right, well, let's wrap this little section up. And then in the next section, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some real life experiences, a little more case study oriented yeah. and see how messy we can get. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.